The title for this morning is, is What is the Vision Going Forward? I'll be honest with you, before Christmas I was a bit, uh, what am I going to say? I knew vaguely what I was going to say, because I know what our vision is. Has everybody got a card? You know? You got it there. Thank you. You know? We're a lion-hearted and courageous disciples, a prophetic community expecting revival, and then the other bits that come with that. We know what our vision is. Um, Richard, I'd forgotten that Ephesians 6 is actually on the back of the card. <laughs> we got it up. I had actually forgotten it was on the card, and it's one of the passages that's going to come up in a minute. But we, we, sort of, you know, we see the kingdom manifest. We worship Jesus. We submit to the Holy Spirit. Um, we sort of know what our vision is but what is our vision what is our vision we know but what is our vision do you get what I'm trying to say we, we, understand, we, we get it but what is it what is our vision well our vision is this yes, but what is that yes, but what is that and then over Christmas actually I filter quite a lot of prophetic stuff on the internet, I subscribe to various things, and and a lot of it is. I'm not saying it's not prophetic, but it's not for us, and I'm not saying it's not of God, but it's not where we're at. And then every now and again, something comes. You remember last year there was a few things that tsunami word that came, really important for us to hear it. And then something came just before Christmas, a digest of words, of prophetic words that uh, this group had gathered together. And we've had a look at it. And again, some of it is, is for their context. Some of it is very, very much just for... Um, it's, how did you put it earlier, Chris? Was it a load of political twaddle? Was that, was that roughly what you said? Because... A lot of stuff can be skewed by our own stuff that's going on. A lot of prophetic utterance can get screwed in that way. So, I've got a couple of questions for this morning. And please, can you encourage the folks that aren't here or are not online to listen to this? Because I think, I don't often say this about my own preaching, but I think this is quite important. Um, and I think all the home group leaders need to well, I think everybody needs to hear it, but especially home group leaders, to get the context of where we're coming from. So the first question to you is, where is your heart? As we start 2022, where is your heart? We fix our heart on that which is important to us. And by our heart, I don't mean just our emotions. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Where your heart is set. So, please, I'm not diminishing any problems or issues. We've all got them. But if we're really, really struggling, where is our heart set? Have we got our heart focused on the issues and the problems rather than? Where is our heart set? Where have we? We always make time for the thing that is important. 
And do you know what the fundamental design of every single human being is? The fundamental design. The fundamental design for the whole of eternity. Not just for our time on the planet. You are allowed to answer me. You may need to take your mask off so we can hear you, just as you speak. Silence was the stern reply. Tops of, I, you know, I know the tops of the heads of most people here now. Because <laughs> you ask a question, everybody goes, mm. <laughs> you get to know the tops. Of, so I can see who's losing it on the top, and who's lost it. The, what's the fun, fundamental identity? What's the fundamental thing that we're called to do now and we will do for the whole of eternity? To enjoy God and worship him forever, says from the Westminster Catechism. Well done, Chris. We're here to worship. We're here to worship. In the, wit, the whole breadth of that, service and singing and the whole breadth of that, but we, we're not here to pick and choose. You can't do service and not singing. You can't do singing and not service. Yeah, we're supposed to, but we're here to worship. To when we choose to not worship, when we choose to opt out of worship, I ask you the question, where is our heart set? Where is our heart set? What comes first? What comes first? We've been saying here for a long time, you know, family can actually get in the way of God. Now, please, I'm about to say something later on in this talk, which you know, is really important about family. And family is absolutely key. But if family gets in front of God, it's an idol. I had a friend who ended up on a, one of the OM ships. Was it Andy? Which was it? Logos? I think he was on the Logos. Uh, and he went in his 30s and his parents tried to stop him going because they would lose him. An only child and they were in their 70s and blah, blah, and blah. And they tried to stop him going. And he just said, I cannot not go. If God is calling me, I've got to go. And actually, of course, he was there and back again. And actually there and back again and there and back again. And he still saw them and, and all the rest of it. But his parents actually tried to stop him. Sorry, we can't do that. We've got to let go. We've got to let go. God has to come first. Where is our heart set? Where do we put our heart? Our heart, first and foremost, is on Jesus, of course. And his gospel. And his kingdom. Isn't it? Or is it on our comfort, our well-being, our fulfilment? I'm so glad Jesus didn't consider equality with his father something to be grasped. But emptied, oh, I'm quoting scripture again, aren't I? But he emptied himself. If he said to us, will you empty yourself? Give up everything that's important to you? Would we? I'm not saying he is. So please don't panic. But this isn't a game. And increasingly... The time I've been in ministry, the time I've been a Christian, 35 plus years now, it's, this is increasingly, can you be increasingly less? Does that work? I don't know. This is increasingly less a hobby, something you do in your spare time. 
Being the people of God and being in church has to be who we are. Otherwise, it's a pain in the bum, it gets in the way of life, and it's a complete waste of time. Unless we're wholehearted about it. If it's, if it's part of our life, that's not, that's not the calling. It is our life, and it doesn't mean we don't do the other stuff, but this informs all the other stuff. So we don't do church over here and then family there and then work there. We do the people of God and the presence of God in which are our family, are our job, are our friendships, are our... Yeah? Where is the focus of our heart? We're called to be courageous. That's part of our fundamental vision. Cour in French means the, the heart. It's our heart that is supposed to be brave. We're supposed to be brave, courageous people. And if you look in the dictionary, bravery is never attached to speech or thought. It's always attached to action. So we can be brave in our thinking and brave in our... But the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as many as have found over the last week. Yeah? Some very nice puddings we've had. But it's about doing. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Because I've been saying rest, 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 rest for seven years. It's all right. You can come in. This door's open. You're welcome. reminiscing with uh, Denise, one of the first things I ever said to Denise when I first saw her. Do you remember? She said, oh, this, 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 and I went, patience. We need patience. We need to wait. We need patience. It serves a right for being patient, <laughs> doing what she's doing now. But I've been saying, rest, we're too busy. Rest, we're too busy. Rest, we're too busy. And then Adam comes a month ago and goes, some of you have benched yourselves. You've put yourself on the substitute bench because you're not quite sure you want to be on the field of play. You're not quite sure. You've put yourself, you sort of want to be in the team, but don't ask me to play. Don't ask me to be effective. Don't ask because I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to be the one that misses the penalty in the shootout. For those of you who don't get the reference, don't worry about it. But, you know, so therefore, I won't do it. That's not brave, is it? My hat goes off to those three guys that missed the penalties. But at least they had the doodars to stand up and do it. Put your own word in doodars, whichever one you want. Yeah, at least they did it. I can't remember which guy it was from, I think it's 20-odd years ago, 25 years ago, is it? The European thing where we lost on the shootout. But there was one of them said, I will never, ever blame the guys that missed because I didn't have the courage to do it. Okay. If we're to be courageous people, yes, it's about getting prophetic stuff. Yes, it's about speaking out, but it's also about not being benched. And thank God Adam brought that word. That we mustn't bench ourselves. Because I, I tell you, the team management are not benching you. But, but if this encourages you, well, I hope this encourages you in a poke in the eye, get you off the bottom, your backside encourages you. 
every church in the land, and I've been on so many different consultations and discussions, every church in the land is struggling with volunteers because people have got out the habit of doing stuff for the last two years. And so therefore we put a rotor out and people go, oh no, can I come off that now? There were a couple of occasions back in the autumn where Ruth and I were just going, oh, because the rotors were just empty. So for those of you who are on rotors and doing stuff, thank you. Please don't come off in the new year. If you need to come off and the Lord is telling you to come off, we'll talk about it. That's fine. But we mustn't bench ourselves. It, please, no offence to anybody online. But it's so much easier to do church at home. It really is than to come and do it together. And take the risk. I have to wear the mask. By the way, we don't have to wear them for singing. I didn't tell you that to start with, but no problems. I could hear, I could hear you all with them on, so that's fine. Um, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying throw caution to the wind. I'm not saying don't be careful, don't do the things that we should do. But if we get stuck in the comfortableness of not, we're stuck. It, it's easier to stop doing something than it is to start doing something in this area. Yeah? It's easier to, to forget or to leave off doing something than to actually get the energy to get going with something. So where is your heart focused? We're about being bold, not cowardly. Ephesians 6 says this. You can read it in the message on the back of the card in front of you if you want. Finally, be strong in the Lord. There's the key. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God. We didn't find the English version, did we? Richard, is fine. No, no, this will do. This is absolutely fine. I, I just feel sorry for all the U's that get left out yeah. when we're reading the American version. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms i'm not going to bang on about the 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 warfare stand we need to be on surely after six years we know that we know we're in a battle therefore put on the full armor of god so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand. Thank you. Glad somebody's awake. That's good. How many times does he use the word stand in this passage? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We mustn't water down the truth. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not some of them, all of them. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We're called called to be bold and courageous to be brave and to act and to stand firm. Increasingly, what we stand for is questioned. 
And some of that questioning needs to go on. But it's undermined. The number of people this Christmas I've had, well, I don't believe in all the Christmas rubbish. I said, what do you mean by the Christmas rubbish? And it turns out what they don't believe in is all the extras we've put round the story. And most of what I've talked to these people about is, well, no, well, that's not actually in the Bible. Well, that's not in the Bible. Oh, no, no, that's not in the Bible either. These are extras. These are, these are what the church has put on, maybe. You know, the ox and the ass and the warm, comfy stable and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's what the church has put on. The three kings who've got names. Balthazar, Melchior and Casper. What? You show me the Bible references for all of that. It's just a whole load of... And it, on one level, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's confused the story. We've got to stand firm for what we believe in. We need to be, come on, you know these phrases, thermostats, not thermometers. And increasingly at the moment, we are thermometers. We are reflecting the spiritual atmosphere out there. The tiredness, the anger, the culture of blame. And you're seeing it within the church. No. The culture of forgiveness, not of blame. The culture of love and acceptance, not anger. The culture of strength in the Lord, not tiredness. The culture of faith and love in the face of reality, not negativity, fear and moaning. So, that's your first question. Your second question is, are we... So, are we a church that is led by the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah? Okay, my question to you is, are you really ready to be led by the Spirit? Because it will cost. It will hurt. It will throw everything into confusion. Not it, the Holy Spirit, but being led. It being led by the Holy Spirit. It will be messy. It won't be organized. We'll have to throw things out. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is saying any of this, but would some of you be willing to get rid of this building if we had to? And for some of you, you can feel the tight. I love this place. Would you be willing to get rid of your service so that we could be one? Would you be willing to throw out the Book of Common Prayer because? Would you be willing to throw Johnny out if we needed to? Don't panic. Don't panic. He's not saying that. But do you, do you hear what I'm saying? If we're really, really honest about being led by the Spirit, we're willing to let anything go. If God is calling. Even when it's counterintuitive. You know? Abraham, I've promised, I've promised you a son. There he is. Now go sacrifice him. How counterintuitive is that? But Abraham is faithful. Unobedient. When we talk about being led by the Spirit, there's an internal problem for us. God wants to change the emphasis often, not the content. So he's saying, don't be benched. The emphasis is changing from you need to rest to you need to not be benched. 
Because by benching yourself, you say, well, I'm being obedient, I'm resting. No, no, that's not what... Do you see what I mean? He's changing the emphasis. He might want to change what we do. He doesn't want to change the message. He might want to change the plan, not the outcome. That's what being led by the Spirit. And it feels like we're being shaken up. Have we been shaken up in the last two years? Most of that is the enemy. Wanting to tear down and destroy. Because if it was God, there wouldn't be the death thing around it. God doesn't bring death. He brings life. If we're truly led by the Spirit, we are consistent yet ever-changing. Think about that. Again, it's slightly, whoa, head hurts. But we are consistent, yet ever-changing. The gospel message doesn't change. Our heart for Jesus doesn't change. The foundation, the fundamentals doesn't change. But everything else changes. Do you know who was so radical that he got into trouble? People hated what he brought in. People hated the modernity of it. People hated the fact that it had changed everything, that it had brought everything down, dumbed it all down to a lower common denominator. Uh, what he was trying to do was include people, uh, um, and he got, he got so much rubbish for it. But you know who I'm talking about? Well, let, 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 yeah. the vicar's always talking about Jesus, hopefully. <laughs> But this guy in church history brought in one of the most radical documents ever. Brought in something that changed the way the church worshipped. Brought in something to include people so they could do stuff. And was absolutely lambasted for it and ended up going and being burnt because of it. It's Thomas Cramner and the Book of Common Prayer. That which Cramner meant for life and freedom and revolution has become that which binds and restricts and stops movement now. Please, the way we do it at 8 o'clock and the way the guys there engage with it, it's life for them. I'm not, I'm not turning it off, don't panic. But, oh, we don't come to your church, you don't do Book of Common Prayer. One, we do. Two, even if we did, you still wouldn't come. Because actually, our no offence, Johnny, our dumbing down, our using music from the now, however middle of the road it actually is, and all that sort of stuff, is just doing what Cramner did. Or what Luther did. Luther wrote, wrote a number of hymns. Did you know that? And nearly all of them are based on German drinking songs. They're songs from the tavern. The music is from the tavern, and the words are from Scripture. So why? Why must we hold on to our traditions? Those guys didn't. Mm. Here we go.
I believe the Lord is saying two things to us. So ask those questions, where is our heart, and are we ready to be led by the Spirit? They're the things for us. I believe he's saying two things. The first one is that this is time for harvest. This is time for harvest. Yes, I'm, I'm, I know half of you are going, what does that mean? Aren't the other half of you are going, great, we're going to do some evangelism. Well, no, we're not. Uh, harvest is harvest for the kingdom. And the primary thing is people coming to faith. Absolutely. But I'm not going to rush out and do a whole load of evangelism and make you lot feel guilty for not doing it. I'm not going to rush out and do a whole load of old-fashioned style knocking on the doors and all the rest of it. This is time for harvest. And the Lord is going to bring people to us. The Lord is going to bring people, and he's going to bring people in. And he's going to bring them in in a way that we don't get. And the people are going to come. And we're going to see a time of harvest coming. And we're going to see a time of harvest in our lives where we haven't got breakthrough on health issues, where we haven't got breakthrough on mental health issues, where we haven't got breakthrough on relationship issues or whatever it is. There's a time of harvest coming. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Hopefully. Did I give you that one? No. We'll leave that one out then. If we're going to walk in this harvest, we need to give thanks for it before it comes. That's the position of faith. If we believe the Lord is saying it, then we give thanks for it. It's that faith thing. We give money away as a church, don't we? And every other church in this area thinks we're stupid. Because we give away money that we could hold on to and use for other things and talking to a group of church leaders before Christmas they'd, they know about us giving that £100,000 away and they said well what have you done since I said well it all came back it's all come in how? I don't know we've prayed and we gave because we believed it was true and we worship the Lord that he's a God of provision and they look at me as if I'm absolutely bonkers which of course I am which that's absolutely fine but they look at me as if you know, because you go, to, you go to your bank manager and they don't, don't do that. What's the first thing you cut when you're struggling financially? Come on, what's the first thing you cut? Your tithe. You're giving to church, you're giving to charity, isn't it? It's the first thing that goes. It should be the last thing that goes. And the Lord will honour you. We've got friends who've run a business and they've struggled and it's not been easy but he's never not tithed and they've never gone under. You can't outgive God. In that harvest the prodigals will return. We've had that word. This stuff is a mixture of the prophetic words that I've come across in the last few weeks and stuff that we've had for a while. It's quite nice when that happens. We're being made ready to receive them. The prodigals will return. Do you weep over the prodigals that are out there? I think some of us do because they're our family. And some of us sitting here going, what? Weep over the lost? Well, it's a matter of choice. And if somebody doesn't want a Christian, that's all right. Okay, it, it's their choice, Absolutely. But I weep over the fact they're choosing the road to hell, not the road to heaven. The road to eternal death, not the road to eternal life. And we've, we've got to remember those things. 
So, one, a time for harvest. And two, I believe there's a time for greater things. John 14, 12, which we should know backwards and sideways. Truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works we have been doing. The words that have come over the last few weeks are that we're going from that first phrase to the second. We won't just be doing the works he's been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. The Lord's calling us to lift our faith up. Isaiah 55, 1 says this. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy, look behind, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is the lifting your eyes going, well, I've not got any money, so I can't. I've not got the resources, so we can't. I haven't got the time, so we shouldn't. I haven't got the... Lord, you have everything. I come and... I'm thirsty, Lord, and I know you will give me water. And you will, buy, you will enable me to buy wine and milk. Even though I have nothing. Isaiah 58, 11 says this. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring <coughs> whose waters never fail. Important word there, the penultimate one. Never fail. Despite the sun scorched, despite the tiredness, because the frame needs strengthening, he will never fail. Do you believe that? I'm with you. Do I believe it? Do I believe it in the moment when I've got to make a decision that is contrary to everything that the world says? I hope so. But I hope so, and a gritted teeth, and yes, okay, is better than a, oh, no, we better not do that. I love working with the PCCs I've worked with over the last six years here. And I love working with Katie and Pete, especially around the money. I've never heard anybody on PC, well, by one or two occasions, but I've never heard the vast majority of people on the vast majority of times go, I'm not sure about that. I've heard a few people go, what are you on about? Because <laughs> you know, Chris or I are off on one somewhere about something. But the vast majority of people are going, if that's God, then let's, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Let's free the resources. Let's do that. So thank you. And it's about dry bones coming. So... We've had the two questions, where's your heart and are you ready to be led by the Spirit? We've had the two proclamations, time for harvest and a time for greater things, breakthrough. Last bit. I believe the Lord is calling us, having for six years gone on about family being um, an idol, I believe the Lord is reshaping our understanding of family and making it really, really important to us. Genesis 12, no, Genesis 22 says this. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies 
and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I think there's something in the, our willingness to sacrifice that which is family, what the world says is family, what our culture says is family, and God will fulfill that. And we need to understand that um, those on the screen won't be able to see what I'm about to do, but we're not talking here just about family. I've pointed at the leeches, all five of them. Are you family? The five of you? I've got news for you. He's part of your family as well. <laughs> and so, so are these four weird ladies behind you. One of them includes my wife, so that's okay. They're family. So are the, so are the old folks at the back. Denise, what are you doing that for? I was thinking about Chris. He's sitting down at the back. Of me. That's what we mean by family. And some of us don't have the joy of family. We're on our own. But we're not. Because this is family. We you know, nearly went into Sister Sledge there. <laughs> We are family. And if anybody ever feels they don't belong to the family, then shame on us. Let's get off our bums and go do something about it. Because we're family. Do you love these folk? Yeah. yeah. Some of you nearly nodded at that point. Do you love the people around you? Yeah. Family, you do anything for them, don't you? Anything. Give them anything, share anything with them, do anything. They can come and stay any time. They can be around any time. They can talk to you about anything. They can. We're not there yet, are we? But let's work on it. That's what we're being called to. We're being called to family. Therefore, we're being called to walk in our identity. I'm not going to apologise for that. Because it's only when we move in our identity that we move with greater authority and we walk in faith. Have you all had your original design, or at least bits of it done, yeah? How many of you have lost it? How many of you don't know where it is? Can't put your hand on it. Don't put your hands up. <laughs> but some of you will. Oh, you had that done. Oh, I wonder where that is. Do you know what it says? Do you vaguely believe it about yourself? Or have you been ignoring it? So we need to worship as family. We need to walk in our identity. And guess what will happen? We will be courageous, lion-hearted disciples. I'm going to ask us to do two things. Johnny's going to come and lead us in a final. Him? Is that right? Or is it him or is it him and her coming? But um ching. Thank you. At least you groaned. <laughs> I did some really bad jokes at the seniors carol service before Christmas and there was a stunning silence. <laughs> there was tumbleweed going and it was just like, please somebody groan. <laughs> don't care, you don't find them funny, just 
And then, of course, they all had masks on, so I had no idea if they got them or not, which was upsetting. Did you get them, Jackie? Yeah, they just weren't funny. I, I do understand that. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those looks from Jackie? I just... <laughs> Can I ask you to stand? What I'm going to do, I'm going to ask us to commit to something. And I'm going to ask those of you who are in eldership or in um, CLT, there should be enough, it's five or six of us around. I'm going to ask you to go around and pray for people. Keep your masks on for the rest of it, okay? What I'm going to ask us to commit to before we sing this song is to commit to worship together as family. Not separate. We've done family in this building all over Christmas, haven't we? And we've all done family in this building. So why the heck can we never do family at the Beacon? Because we can't. Because we only do it when we're here, with notable exceptions. Those of you that do come down, I appreciate it. Let's commit to worshipping together as family. Whether it's with the organ, whether it's Johnny, whether it's with liturgy, whether I don't, we, we should, none of us care. What we should care about is that we're family. You with me? So I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment. And if you can, this is where it's handy having last song because I have no idea who's, who's speaking or not so you're absolutely fine and then as we worship as we worship then guys what I want uh, you guys to go and pray for go and impart boldness to people courage and boldness whether that's in their witness in their worship in their whatever I don't just that spirit that sense of boldness and courage. Is that okay? Is that clear? For the guys that are doing it. I've just looked at two or three and they're going So I just thank you. It's a vague idea what's going on. After me. Father, thank you that you love us. Do we try that again? Just a little bit of that. Father, thank you that you love us. And you call us to worship you. Thank you, you're only bothered about our hearts. And not the form of worship. Help us to be the same. We're sorry where we held on to what we want. And we commit now to worship together as family in all places in all styles but in the name of Jesus Jesus